today we'll be doing something very different so i'll be taking this to one of the sides uh, last time i tried over there this time i'll try it on this side all right because the preacher is the holy spirit always as always and yesterday i went to visit vinu and uh, being his family physician i went to give him medicines and he gave me the prescription for a message for today <laughs> and the message that i'm going to preach today is what he has given me to preach so i really need your prayers so let's pray lord thank you lord for your holy spirit lord which gives us wisdom which surrounds us with love lord jesus thank you lord for everything that you keep doing in our lives lord your amazing grace on us lord jesus lord help us to listen to your word alone lord jesus and lord give me the wisdom and the strength to give the message faithfully this we ask in your precious name amen amen so as we know we are in the season of fasting and prayer the second part is more important than the first as always and uh, as we are through the season of fasting and prayer i'm sure the lord is talking to us even more clearly because for many of us eating is one of the big things in life and not just looking at dominic i'm looking at all of you <laughs> and uh, and it is true that uh, we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about food not only just eating it and i'm sure that time which has been saved can be productively used to listen to god even more clearly and the lord gives us something to do the enemy also wants to prevent us from doing something as we sang in the song amazing grace it, there is a line which says my chains have been set free so have you ever thought why these chains are there in the first place chains tires right so the enemy knows that we have something to do which is very very important and that's why he has tried his best to tie people around in this world now when you saying that your chains have been set free what does that mean that you're free to do what whatever you want or what god has designed for you yeah so that's what our chains are set free for that we have a vision and a purpose for life as a doctor i come across patients who have uh, cancer you know and who have recovered out of it and we in medical terms we call it remission remission and i was listening to a cancer survivor say that she's so grateful that now she is able to come out of this cancer and now she is in this uh, term called remission she said for me remission means remembering my mission because god has given her a second chance i hope nobody has to go through that experience to remember their mission because that's what we are here for we are here to fulfill the mission the great commission that god has given us remember that this earth and this everything is going to melt away as we sang in that song i'm just uh, uh, reading from that uh, i can't sing i'll just read this from amazing grace that the lord has promised good to me his word my hope secures so the lord has promised us good he has not promised us anything bad he has promised good to me he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures my chains are gone i have been set free my god my savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace and then it goes on to say the earth shall soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine 
So this earth and everything that we have laid our hopes on, you know, we worry so much about things on this earth. It says that this earth shall soon dissolve like snow. And the sun itself will stop shining. So what does it mean? For me, I feel that life is like a train journey. And we are people on this train and we have to get down at the destination somewhere or the other. And there is something for us to do. And the enemy is there trying to bind everyone in chains. And those of us who have been set free, what is our duty? Our duty is to set free those who are around us, who are in chains, isn't it? And the mission of our church, of Living Hope Church, do you know what is the mission of the church, the tagline of the church? Yeah, some people know it. What is it? Touching lives and transforming nations. So this transforming nations by touching lives is something which is very, very close to God's heart. I mean, that's what we are called to do. We are called to touch lives and transform nations. I believe when the chains have been set free from our lives, we are not just to call, uh, sit there and say, oh my God, my chains are set free, now I can just relax, isn't it? That's not what we are called for, dear friends. Time is short and we are living in a world that is more and more edging towards the end of time. Jesus is going to come soon. The earth is going to dissolve. Forget about your jobs and your career and your education and everything. There is something that is awaiting us and that's the mission. Yeah, it was put up here. Touching lives, transforming nations. And why is this important? It's important because God has given us this. It's not like Vinu's idea or Amit's idea or somebody else's idea that uh, we have to touch lives and transform nations. That is God's very heart, isn't it? And what does God say? He desires the best for all of us. All the people in this world, not just for us, for everybody. Not just for a particular religion or a caste or a, a particular nation. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right? And what did Jesus say at the last, when he was about to be taken up to heaven, he commanded his disciples saying, all authority on earth and heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I am with you surely to the very end of the age. And what, what happened as a result of the, this great commission that we call it? Lives were touched and nations were transformed. And that's still happening today. And that's the mission of the church. And that, I believe, is something that we all need to catch on to. If we are serious about this life on earth, we need to be in with this mission that the church has. And not only this church, every church on this earth has this mission of touching lives and transforming nations. And how do we go about with this? That is what I'm going to speak about. And this message which Vinu shared with me is called the five chairs. So I want some young strong men to bring up five chairs on this stage, please. So five, yes. I want some of those teenagers coming there. Please come and sit here. I'm giving you chairs to sit on. Come, I got four of them there. Come. Come on, four teenagers. And uh, I need uh, one lady also. One, because there are four teenagers there. Come, come on. 
Yes. And one one lady, anybody bold enough to <laughs> give them company? <laughs> Come. Yes. Anybody? Yeah, Nancy, come. Nancy is my youngest daughter. And this is Mark, my son. So I was very surprised to hear baby Mark being announced, you know. <laughs> anyway, well done. Congrats. And Bernice. I was just seeing how, you know, fathers name their little ones Bernice. And asking Valentino, what is the meaning of Bernice? And he's proudly saying princess, you know. So see the potential he sees in that little baby. And that's how God sees us, you know. God looks at us and says, oh, this is my princess, this is my prince. And we may be feeling, oh my God, I don't even have a kingdom. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> but our God, our Father has that. And that's what we are going to see. How do we get about with this transformation? How do we touch lives and transform nations? So the first step in this transformation that we're going to talk about is called yes what can you all read this intimacy. intimacy with god is the first and most important requirement for this process of transformation what do i mean by intimacy in the bible intimacy is related to the closest relationship that is there that is a relationship between a husband and a wife and that is the intimacy that God and his bride, the church, has to have. And that is the intimacy that every member in the church ought to have. This intimacy is the foundation stone on which everything else rests. When we have intimacy with God, God reveals to us things in his spirit, in his word, which actually help for us to grow into that process of transformation. Now, in intimacy, it is basically... As the scripture says, God is intimate to those who trust him. And we heard about testimonies where we heard about people who trusted God for different things. And God, in turn, he answered whatever was their issue in life. So that is part of the intimacy. As we trust God and we walk in obedience to him, and that is where that intimacy comes, that relationship comes with uh, him. And the more we trust him, the more intimately we come to know God. And sometimes we feel distant from God. Sometimes we feel that, no, God is not near with me anywhere. He is um, distant. It could be because of various reasons. But remember that God is everywhere. He is never distant from us. It is we who sometimes go away from Him. It could be something that uh, could be like a sin or a disappointment. But this is vitally important to understand. That as, as a husband and wife, you know, when we first married... We were very excited to be with one another. Then over the years, we started fighting a lot, you know. And then that's what disturbed my mind, you know. As a man, I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Why is this happening? I couldn't understand it because at that time I was foolish and immature. And I admit that. But as I grew in that maturity and in that intimacy with my wife, I realized that there is, it's such a wonderful thing, that relationship that happens. And then if there is anything that disturbs that intimacy now, I immediately try to correct it, you know. I don't want to keep it pending. As the Bible says, in your anger do not sin. And do not let the sun set on your anger. 
So that's something which we ought to do with God even more than with our earthly relationships. If there's anything in your relationship that is with God that you feel that there's a distance, don't keep it pending, dear friends. Intimacy with God is the most important thing. And if you are not intimate with God on a day-to-day basis, then you may be going in the wrong direction. And that's what the enemy wants to see. He wants to see you ultimately tied up in chains. That's not what God wants you to do. He wants to set you free, isn't it? That's the amazing grace that we talk about. And in this intimacy, if we feel that there is any break in that intimacy, please, that's my request, come back to God. You know, He is waiting like a father waiting for the prodigal son. He is just waiting to welcome us back. That's what uh, you say. And as the psalmist says, for me, it is good to be near God. Psalm 73, 28. And in James, we read, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That ultimately, dear friends, is the first and most important thing. And that's something which needs to be ongoing. It is not that, okay, I was intimate with God five years back and I had a really close experience with God and now I am, that means I am born again and I am free. That's not the way it is. Intimacy with God is like intimacy with your spouse. You cannot say I was married five years back and now I am intimate with her. That's not the way it works, isn't it? So we need to take this seriously. This is the most important thing, intimacy with God. Now, as we experience intimacy with God, something else can happen and that is called brokenness. Now, remember, Christian life is not just a bed of roses as you all have experienced. There is suffering, there is pain, there is uh, loss. There are problems in life. Life is like an exam. There are bound to be problems. And often, God uses these broken moments to bring us back to Him. I am sure you all agree. There are people here I know who have been through horrible situations. Situations which have devastated them completely. But in the midst of that, they have connected back. They have reconciled. They have come back to God. In Psalms 34, 18 it says, The Lord is close to the broken hearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is something about reaching a breaking point. You know, When you reach that breaking point, that causes us to seek God even more sincerely. And that's something which I'm sure every one of us must have experienced at least once in your life or if not many times. That you are in that stage of brokenness and you don't know what's happening in your life. And that's the time when you actually seek God. Look at the scripture. King David, he was once a broken man and he prayed, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Heart, O God, you will not despise. Look at people like Jonah. Jonah had an intimate relationship with God and then God called him to go to Nineveh and he caught a ship and went to the other side and he ended up in the belly of a great big fish. That is an extreme example of brokenness. You know, you are like in the midst of an ocean and you are dying, struggling in that water. I hope nobody goes through that experience to come back to God. But I mean, there is a value in that experience, in that brokenness. Look at examples of Samson, Gideon, Peter, Paul, Elijah. And of course, our supreme example is Jesus Christ himself, who was broken, who allowed himself to be humbled to the point of death on the cross. And that is our supreme example. 
Jesus Christ, even though he had a very, very intimate relationship with God the Father, he had to go through that brokenness. So what about us? We cannot expect anything better, can we? And that is what the beauty of Christian life is all about. In that brokenness, we have that hope that we connect back to God who is our creator, who is our loving heavenly father. Sometimes there are things that need to be broken in our lives too. It could be a matter of pride, self-will, stubbornness, sinful habits, for example. These are some things which also need to be broken sometimes for us to get back to that intimacy with God. What are the areas in your lives that need to be broken? When we feel that brokenness, God compensates. I live in a high and holy place, says the Lord, but also with whom him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, Isaiah 57, 15 says. God says that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses, isn't it? If we are strong all the time, we don't need God, do we? So sometimes God allows us to go through that period of brokenness and despair in our lives so that he will restore us back to a relationship with him, to intimacy with him. And this intimacy leads us on to greater heights. Unless I feel we have been through that broken experience, we cannot be of help to others who are going through similar situations. And I believe that's also in God's wisdom as he allows us to go through that period of brokenness in our lives. As we progress from this, as we embrace that brokenness and come closer to Christ, we experience what is the next step and that is called unity. You know, through this broken experience, we can share with others and we can empathize with them and we can unite with Christ and with others. This is a unity that is so important to God. God values unity more than anything else, especially in his church. I was seeing a National Geographic documentary about antelopes. These antelopes are very fast runners. You know, they run very fast. No lion can catch them. But this documentary showed two male antelopes fighting. And they were so busy in the fighting that they forgot to see that there was a lion which was crouching and it just jumped on them and caught them. So see the importance of unity. If we are not united, there is every possibility that we could be fighting with one another and allowing the enemy to take advantage and bind us once again in his chains. So unity is so vital to us. In Ephesians 4.13 it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul is appealing to them. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. In 2 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. In 1 Peter 3, 8, it says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. God has placed a very high price and a value on unity because that is who he is. 
in the trinity we see a perfect unity the father son and the holy spirit and that's the model that we have and this is something which is very very powerful when the church is united in love by the holy spirit it is a powerful witness to the world around they see us and they know there is something here which is so different if you look at the testimonies we heard people who came to the church for the first time or who became part of a family and immediately they were surrounded by other people who cared for them who loved them who prayed for them and they felt part of that family and that is the unity that we talk about and in living hope church i am my wife and i we both have been blessed we have been part of the church for the last maybe around 10 years and it's been a great blessing for us personally to be part of this wonderful family of people who love one another it's not only the pastor and his wife but there so many people in the church who have that you know that gifting and that uh, love which they pour out into the lives of others and that is how we are called to live brothers and sisters we are called to be part of this family which is united it's not just blood it goes stronger than blood it's the spirit of god that unites us out of this unity what comes out naturally is what we call as community yes what is community scripture is all about community we are called to be part of a community and the community of the church is the most powerful instrument of god to transform nations and touch lives isn't it what one person cannot do a church can do definitely when it is united and part of the community when we are part of this community god himself dwells in the midst of us if you read uh, in leviticus god chose the israelites israelites to be his people and i will walk among you and will be your god and you shall be my people they lived and worshiped together as a community and following the death and resurrection and the ascension of christ god has instituted the church the body of christ as a community of believers in 1 corinthians 12 27 it says now you are the body of christ and individually members of it so when we are part of this wonderful community miracles can happen healings can happen transformation can happen in the community and in the nation and not only in the nation it can extend beyond the borders of india what we know about because the entire nation is waiting for this for people of god to reveal themselves the sons of light who as ambassadors of christ we work in unity and work out and reach out in love in love to one another and when the community actually is the place where we can actually demonstrate our effects being the salt and light of this nation and when this community works towards its vision then what we get is yes what is written there can you read transformation yes so transformation is ultimately what we are looking at because the vision of the church of god the living hope church and all the churches is touching lives and transforming nations and transforming nations is not a small task india has got over a billion people right 1.1.3 or and still counting 1.3 plus yeah that's the number of people in india in one nation but by the spirit of god and by being transformed i am sure this is something which 
can be done. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is, I am reading from the scripture in Jeremiah 29. It's telling to those people who have been carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Many of us are not native to this land of, to the city of Mumbai. We all come from elsewhere, isn't it? Mumbai was just some mangroves and some islands. And except for the Kohli's and the Agri's, I don't think anybody lived here. But now we have millions of people here in this city. And what the Lord is asking us is to pray for the peace and prosperity of Mumbai city. And as a church, we do pray for this city, for this nation. And I'm sure all of you must be praying at home for your cities and nations for transformation. Because we ought to pray big prayers to God. Our God is a big God, isn't it? We don't need to just pray to Him for a job or for a, a college for our children. Our God is a big God. And we ought to pray for the transformation of this entire city. And how can this transformation come about? We have the examples in scriptures. Intimacy with God. Practice intimacy with God every moment of your life. There is something called... Uh, a life revision seminar which my wife and I uh, attended a couple of times and some of us in our church also. I would encourage all of you, if you are led by the Spirit, to go for it. A life revision seminar is a time when your life gets revised. And just like I mentioned about remission, revision is something which is remembering your vision. And God has given each of you a vision. As I have told many times, you write down your vision, what God has given you. You know, so that you don't forget it and you don't get discouraged when you are off track. Write down the vision that God has given you and the scripture verses that God has shown you which are there for that vision. You know, because life is like an exam. How many of you have given exams here? Some of you have given, I think, yeah. <laughs> so before the exam, what do you all do? Pray, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying he prays before the exam <laughs> what else prepare revise yeah so generally those who study at least they do revision you know but those who don't study they <laughs> so <laughs> you need to revise and you need to pray both are important yeah so in the same way when we talk about life as an exam life is an exam where we need to remember our vision. Because the enemy is ready to divert you with so many things. Because he knows the value of each of you. You may not realize your value. But the enemy knows your value. You know how he knows your value? Because he's seen the Son of God himself come to give his life for you. He knows your value. So when we sang that song, the last song which we sang was, Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through, use it for your glory. 
Lord, I offer my days to you, lifting my praise to you as a pleasing sacrifice. Lord, I offer my life to you. So when, you're, when we sing these songs, you know, it's easy to sing the songs when the worship is on and Dominic is there encouraging us and the beautiful worship band is there with all the music and the emotions. But when we are in the midst of difficulties, when we are in the midst of brokenness, that's the time when we need to cry out to the Lord, Lord, I offer my life to you. And then see what a beautiful thing happens when we offer our life to the Lord. Transformation is happening, dear friends. I can give you some examples of transformation that's happening right in our church. You must have heard of this RA, that is a street kids program which we announce every... One lady got a vision for a, uh, a small thing that she wanted to do as part of uh, just reaching out to the community. And the result, now over 50 children and uh, people on the streets in Kandivli and uh, Boruli have been touched. And there are over six or seven of those girls have been... Uh, placed in safe and secure homes rather than, you know, allowing themselves to be um, abused on the streets of Mumbai. Things are happening one life at a time. You can touch lives, dear friends. It is possible. In the short time that you have here on this earth, let us not waste our time. I can give another example that is Kaim. You know, this um, it's an organization which is right across... And it is run by Keith and Ramona. They have rescued uh, these ladies who have been uh, trafficked. And there are hundreds of cases like this where uh, organizations are reaching out, touching people. Basically, all we are called to do is to touch lives and transform people, isn't it? There are, there are other examples. I know Jay Prakash who works with disability and the Engage program where they reach out to the disabled persons and say that they also have a voice, they have a right to live with dignity. And as a church, that's our responsibility to reach out to them and give them that dignity because that's what the gospel is all about. And the world is looking for that. There are old age homes around where there are people, elderly people lying there with no one to care for, where we have opportunities and openings where we can go. There is one in Daisar East itself where uh, as a life group we have visited a couple of times and those who are interested can contact us. We can actually take that forward because the, the couple who is running that old age home is not uh, able to run that. They are not, uh, they are Maharashtrians and uh, they don't have the ability to run that. Opportunities like that are opening up. I also want to share about what we are doing now as part of our hospital. We have started something called a support team and what we felt at the beginning of this year was that we as medical doctors, you know, and uh, the healthcare um, industry, what it has become now, we generally tend to prescribe medications or surgery and things like that and, you know, then the patient goes away. But what happens to the patient and the families once they leave the hospital or the clinic? What support do they get? So the Lord showed us that this is something which we can do as, uh, as a hospital, something which is new, which has not been tried before in India, is to start a support team. Support team will work alongside the medical team. They will listen to the patients and their families, find out what are their requirements, what are the things that they need. And in a loving way, you know, just listening to them. Because many of the instances, these elderly people who come to me for diabetes, hypertension, all they need is just somebody to listen to them. Because their problems may be mind-boggling, you know, you cannot even imagine their issues. But just 
showing them that there is somebody who cares for them, who loves them, who listens to them, that itself has such a healing because when a person senses that he is loved, his body, the way the immune system changes in that, there is a lot of scientific evidence on that, I don't want to quote the science behind it, but our bodies respond in a way that actually boosts our immunity and enables us to fight the diseases. When the person or when we sense that unconditional love that comes, because we have received that love, isn't it? We have received that amazing grace that God has given us. And that love, which when we show to our patients or to anybody that we come across, that actually makes them, enables them to get healed. So as a support team initiative, we have started something new where we welcome people from the church to come alongside and just be there listening to our patients. And over the last uh, four or five weeks, we have actually started this and already um, more than six or seven first-time visitors have come to the church as a result of that support team. So, I mean, this is something which is where people are coming to us asking for help rather than us going out into the streets and asking. Both the models are there, but what I'm saying is an opportunity for us to start something new, a way in which we can transform the neighborhood. So, my wife Vinita is there. Can you stand up? She's, yeah, for those who don't know, she's Vinita, she's my wife. And we would be glad to meet with anybody who would like to be part of this support team. When I was sharing with Vinu, he was very excited. He said, please present it to the church as one of the areas in which transformation is occurring in the city of Mumbai. And we are glad to see that there are so many people who are open to prayer also. And in the support team, we just don't ask them to share the gospel or anything. We just ask them to be there with the patient. It can be uh, Maharashtrian, Gujarati, uh, South Indian, North Indian, Bengali, all types of patients. So... We need to just listen to them in that Christ-like love, what we call it, you know, and just lend an ear to them. And if the Spirit leads you, we pray with the patient. And there have been remarkable stories where people have been touched and blessed by this. And as a result of this, we also started something called a fall risk assessment, where uh, we realized that these elderly people are at risk of falls at home. And abroad, this is a well-established program, but in India, it has not been a definite... uh, um, program. So we have started that as an outreach from this support team initiative that we have started something called a fall risk. We want to prevent people falling at home and injuring themselves. As a part of our love and concern for the people, especially elderly, that we want, we have started something called a home safety assessment where we go to the homes of people, we got an opportunity to go to homes and uh, check the homes for safety and we would like to invite people from the church to come and be part of this support team in whatever way you feel. And the other areas where we are working on as uh, the church, where we have our life groups and through the life groups we have, as part of the life group, one of our uh, aims as a life group is to be missional or evangelistic. That is one of the key areas of the life group. So as life groups we have done something called conversational evangelism where we go out and talk to people on the streets and have a conversation. We have had a harvest training with uh, Scott and Susan. So all these are part where the church is doing its bit to be a part in the transforming activities that impact the neighborhood. And we have a ministry team also here. The ministry team is uh, comes here after the service. Anybody who feels that they require help to come out of whatever problems they have, 
But what we want to do is not just stop at that problem and, you know, God has solved my problem, so that is done. But there is much more to do about that, isn't it? We reach out to people in the world, reach out to their problems. And as I believe we listen to their problems, we lean more on the Holy Spirit and we grow. And we help them grow. And that is the beauty of Christian life, that as we embrace this intimacy with God and we go through this brokenness and we share in the brokenness of others, God allows us to be restored ourselves. Because the brokenness in us, the way it gets healed is when we listen to other people's brokenness and that helps. It's a mystery, but it happens that when we become part of the suffering of others, our suffering somehow seems to be much less. Nothing it seems. And that is the beauty of the Christian life. The beauty of it is that as we experience that brokenness, on the basis of the intimacy that we have with God, we experience unity. And in that unity, the community. And through that, the transformation that comes up. I want to give another example of this. One of my patients who is a Bengali lady, she is... um, The other day she came to me with a big packet of sweets, Bengali sweets. And... um, I said, what is this for? She said, no, no, you have been treating me for so many years and now last time your support team people prayed for me and I felt much better after that. We have been inviting her to church, but it is not easy. Sometimes they say, okay, we'll come this Sunday, we'll come the next Sunday. It's a process. Don't think that uh, the moment you you know, listen to them, they will all come to church or to uh, join the community. That's not how it is. Our aim is to develop a relationship with the people around, develop friendships with them, be part of their life. It's up to God to whether he... Uh, opens their hearts and uh, brings them and adds them to the community. But our job is to be faithful and as we grow in that trust and obedience to God, whatever He is showing us, I believe that the fruit of it will be transformation of the city and of the nation. So before I end, I would like to just um, ask if there is anyone who feels that they would like to be prayed over for any of these areas in their life. They may be going through prayers of brokenness. Then we have a ministry team over here which uh, is ready to pray. Because we want all of us to be equipped. As a body of Christ, we don't want anyone to be, you know, in a state of brokenness forever. We are all meant to come out of that brokenness and be part of the body of Christ, which is doing this wonderful work of transformation in this city. Mumbai needs us, dear church, and uh, it's waiting for the revelation of the children of God to show what Christ has done for us. Time is up, so I'll just end with a prayer. And uh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love that you continue to pour out on us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be instruments, Lord, in your hands, Lord. Lord, you are the master surgeon, Lord. We want to be instruments that are clean, cleansed by the blood of Christ, fit for use for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We want to remain pure and committed, Lord. We want to remain faithful to whatever you have shown us. Lord, if there's anything that is hindering us from a relationship with you, Lord, we want to lay it down, Lord Jesus. We want to Come back to the cross, Lord Jesus. We want to repent, Lord, of whatever sin that is happening, that is preventing that 
relationship of intimacy with you, Lord. And we want to accept, Lord, the sacrifice that you have done on the cross for us, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Lord, you rose again on the third day, destroying death and sin forever, Lord. And you are seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us, Lord. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to continue to minister to us through the brokenness in our lives. Help us to achieve that unity, Lord. And through that unity, Lord, through this community, Lord, of believers who exhibit this Christ-like behavior and who are full of the Holy Spirit, enable us to be transforming agents, Lord, in this city, in this nation, and beyond. This we ask in your precious name. Amen. Amen.